0: What's up, Rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder Podcast where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at talklouder underscore podcast. And check out our new updated website, TalkLouderPodcast.com, where you'll find links to uh, all of our previous episodes with our guests. I'm Metal Dave Glesner along with my co host Jason McMaster. And today we've got Kyle Ellison with us on the show today. Kyle is. Love this episode already. Oh my God. Yeah, Kyle is a a friend of Jason's from way back. I've gotten to know Kyle a little bit over the years. Uh, Sweetheart of a guy, uh, probably best known to most of you out there as the guitarist in Pariah uh alongside our producer jared tootin the producer of the talk louder podcast um he's also played with the meat puppets Gibby haynes from the butthole surfers he's done shows with rocky erickson almost two years apparently on the road with rocky erickson um so a long uh, storied career um a friend of jason's a friend of the austin music scene and uh He's, uh, he's with us today to share, uh, the highs and lows of his life story up to this point, And, uh, a little bit about what's going on musically into the future.
1: There is a lot, <clears throat> there's a lot going on with this guy and, um, it's not without, uh, pain and of course some pleasure, but a bump, bumpy ride because, uh, his brother Sims Ellison, um. Uh, which some of you around around central texas have probably heard of the Sims Foundation where it's uh it's an organization where uh artists and musicians and you know if you work for a band if anything has to do with music if you have any sort of like uh if you need help if you're feeling suicidal uh m- mental care basically um the Sims Foundation is an organization an organization specialized for for artists, uh, who need that kind of care. And, uh, it's, it, it's, there's, um, you know, I don't know of a whole lot of organizations that care that much about, um, you know, that part of, of a city's life. Uh, so I think that it's an important story. So we talk about Sims a lot. We talk about the Sims foundation quite a bit. And, um, yeah, uh, Kyle's sort of like, career has been spotted with these just golden stars wow. um yeah. uh, ministry uh like dave mentioned butthole surfers um <clears throat> the meat puppets rocky Erickson, and there's more um renee Zilwiger uh and sims dated for a while and uh so so renee of course is a friend of the family and um was a part of the a lot of people don't realize was a part of that be through pariah and sims and 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 that crew uh she became uh part of the rock and roll scene here in austin texas yeah uh renee was at jared's wedding so yeah. uh you know it's a it's a trip you know hanging with my wife and my mom at jared's wedding and like Renee is right there hey dude what's up you know yeah, uh, but but he during the lockdown, they started writing songs with Renee on vocals. So we talk about that a little bit. We don't know if if that will ever see the light of day, but uh, let's hope so, because Renee can sing. Um, but Kyle Ellison is just a wonderful artist and very, very creative. And I feel like just everyone's going to learn a lot about Kyle. Uh, Mr. Kyle Ellison here
0: on the Talk Louder podcast. Sons are one of my all-time favorites.
2: Yeah, I I always love their singer. Oh, and the Watchtower poster and the Dangerous toys. And Jason was just telling me all about his Planet of the Apes wall back there. Yeah,
0: Yeah. as you can see.
1: Notice how how Kyle has no doo-doo behind (laughs) him. (laughs) <laughs> Dave and well, I yeah, all, there's, there's, there's a keyboard behind back me. In. Dave is all doo doo. <laughs> and then you know, what Kyle has is professional uh recording studio uh vibe.
0: Tool, tools of the trade, yeah. 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 yeah.
2: I, I can take you to the doo-doo room, dude, well like there's I have like Ramones posters and Randy Rhodes posters in my kitchen. Oh, i, have,
1: Mar- I <laughs> have no doubt that you you have your There's fan a- <laughs> you have your fanboy moment but yeah yeah <laughs> this me and dave have the fanboy moment when we walk into the cave so
2: yeah i know you guys got it going on i love it i'm like checking it all out
0: My, mine mine trickles into the living room and up the stairs and thankfully i have a wife who who uh, tolerates it because oh, it's uh, it spilled most, out of here as you the can most, tell
1: the most fucked up thing about about you know dave and i don't take it i don't take it wrong either way about having a cool wife who puts up with it is when dave interviewed gene simmons he goes excuse me she let you she let you <laughs> hang
0: up those kids posters <laughs>
1: She uh, lets you hang up, you know, all like mad, like, like a yeah. woman, how dare you think, you know, ask permission from a woman to... You know, coming, I that was coming. coming
0: from a man who's been used to ruling the world since 1974, yeah, but... We're, we're in well, different That was
1: kind of an asshole thing for him to <laughs> say. But we are talking about Gene Simmons, so it's okay. Yeah, exactly, man.
2: I used to have um, guitar cables and guitars and like pedals all over the floors and mic cables run into the bathroom and stuff and um my old girlfriend was like, "Dude, you know, I yeah. want to live in a house." <laughs> and so, um I put all my stuff in this one little tiny room and it was all just packed in there, you know what I mean? And yeah. um And one of the few times um, I met Sean Lennon and he came over here to get some weed. I could say that. And, um, (laughs) and um, he was
1: talking about Sean Lennon. So,
2: (laughs) and then he was like, dude, why is your, like, he was like your whole musical life is like shoved into this little box, dude. He was like, this whole house should be a studio. And I was like, see, See?"
0: (laughs) This just coming anyway, from a Lennon. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. She was,
2: she was smart. She left.
0: <laughs> oh! <laughs> wow. Well, so who else has come over to your house? Uh, to well, we won't get to, into your sideline business, I guess, but you uh,
1: do need to be able to spread out. And I think that's what he was saying.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. He was just making a good point, which is like, dude, your life's music and why is it, why are you like confining it to like, you know, yeah. I mean, I agreed with him. I also got why my girlfriend was bummed out at, you know, sure. you try yeah. to sit, well, you try to go into the kitchen and there's like a, you know, a guitar pedal with the plates and like,
1: <laughs> Well, that sounds like, it sounds like you just need a bigger space. So, so, you know,
2: that's true. It I, just be well,
1: yeah. they, you they, have she, studio and then you have a whole other space where, where she is, where she doesn't have to look at, you know, the pedal in the kitchen.
2: No, it was torture for her. She, this house, like we have one bathroom, and then the you know basically this tiny little bedroom, and then my exploding old guitar cable box.
1: <laughs> bigger, bigger space, happy wife,
0: right? <laughs> so, what have you been up to uh, musically lately, Kyle?
2: Um. Well, COVID really definitely did a number on everything. Right before COVID hit you know, I was touring with Night Glitter and we were working a lot and we did the whole West Coast. We did this whole run and we were like really on a good positive note.
1: So someone who doesn't know anything about, I don't even know if I'm saying this right, Night Glitter?
2: Night Glitter, yeah. What is
1: that? What is that?
2: Um, it's John Michael who played bass, um, in The Happenings and he also, um, played with, with me and Rocky Erickson. Okay. And, um, and so it's a band that him and Lulu started. And Lulu is one of the singers in the Thievery Corporation. And, um, okay, yeah, and and John Michael and Lulu are, you know, a couple, and they started this band called Night Glitter. And the reason they named it Night Glitter was because John Michael's daughter, he used to live down by the water in Wimberley. And John Michael's daughter would see the fireflies and she'd go, Look, Dad, Night Glitter. So <sighs> oh, so that's beautiful. Yeah, I, I thought it was really cool that there's actually a reason it's called Night Glitter, and it's a yeah. super beautiful reason. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah.
0: awesome. Uh, so you were up and running with with Night Glitter, and then and then COVID happened. And
2: well, and then we started making this record with Renee, and we got six songs in. And right as that was happening, COVID, and like and that and in the middle of it, Renee thought she had COVID, and. Um, so she was sick and like the whole thing just shut just down. For, just
1: for, again, uh, this is quality control. Do I, do I look like a cop or something, but uh, I no. quality control here. When you say Renee, making sure listeners know you're, you, you are, I'm just guessing, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to be right that you're talking about Renee Zellweger.
2: Well, you know, Renee was, um, my brother who passed away, um, Sims Ellison, um, Renee was, um, you know, Sims and Renee were a, a couple and we all lived in this house out at, in um, Rollingwood. Mm-hmm. And we had like Steve-O and we had Jeff Rimple, remember who had the dip and the truck and worked at the 7-Eleven. And then Steve-O with all his BMXer friends and then Sims and Renee up in the top and then me downstairs growing a bunch of weed in the closet. And, um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, but Renee is still a family friend and a friend of yours, Jason. And, you no, and,
1: I, and I know, and I know that, but you were, I, I, I know that she, she's uber talented. And I enjoyed the shit out of her primetime TV show. Uh, the thing about Pam, I loved that fucking show <laughs> me and my wife <laughs> were watching the shit out of that and binging it. We would sit on the couch together and watch okay, what I was just calling it Renee time to watch Renee. But anyway, um, everybody knows that she sings, but I didn't know that you were making a record with her.
2: Yeah, I didn't either. Well, we started one, and we got six songs in, and um, and then it just crumbled. Okay. So we have six unfinished songs, and um, and it's you know every that was when the hardcore lockdown happened. Remember? So everybody was kind of panicked, and um,
1: that's when I started digging holes in my backyard
2: yeah all right we all turned into like you know at first i was all stoked i was talking to sean psalm about this because sean psalm was doug psalm's son yeah. as a lot of people know of um but we were like right when the lockdown hit we were like cool man we're just gonna hunker down in the studio we're gonna write all these songs and then you know cut to us like you know four months later like you know mentally ill and isolated and depressed and like <laughs> no songs and um yeah but um yeah it kind of had kind of just reminded me how like music really is about for me and most people you know the sharing of it and someone hearing it is a big part of that as much as i'm you know I'm an introvert i love you know I don't have a problem being alone necessarily but right. you know it definitely that was extreme. that was an extreme version of it for me particularly well,
0: y- yeah
1: you're yeah. not wrong about having to share share your your creations because that's how um that's, that's what makes the whole thing go around and around and, and, and recreate and procreate. That's, that's how the yeah. whole artist thing works. But uh, the, uh, y- you have to go outside to get the influence. You have to leave the house to see something to feed your brain that's going to inspire you to go back and write the song or paint the painting or draw the picture, Right. Oh, totally. I mean, like, you have to, you have to, like, like would your friends have come up with the beautiful, most killer, most natural, organic band name, Night Glitter, if it wasn't for their child going, seeing something that they would have ne- possibly never seen and put those words together? Look, Dad, Night Glitter.
0: Yeah. There's only so much inspiration that can come out of four walls.
1: Can't look you know? at your Randy Rhodes poster and get the the ex- get back out of it what you what you need all the time.
2: Uh, Maybe uh, the unless time. Uh, unless, um, unless you just want to keep covering Ozzy songs like I've done for the rest
1: of. <laughs> well, and there's nothing wrong with that, uh, but you know you should be out there in your Ozzy Randy tribute band if you're just going to do that.
2: Um, But Leonard Leonard Cohen said something really cool about what you're talking about. He just said um, that, you know, he saw this stuff in the world that was so, you know, beautiful to him and important to him. And like, and he he said he used to pray to have some sort of response to it. And then, and that's how, that's where the songs came from. That's what he is. I thought it was a cool thing that he said. You know,
1: that's a great way to say <clears> it. And I, I, that's way more eloquent than me, dude. You got to get outside so you get some more
2: information
1: so you can write something. I don't
2: think elo- you realize how eloquent you are, Jason. That's why we're here right now, so I can tell some Jason stories.
0: <laughs> no, we're here to please. Do start. Yeah, we're here to, <laughs> to to talk. Can I
2: tell? About can I tell one Jason story that I love? Yeah, sure. let's, get
1: it, let's get it out of the way.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, let's get it out of the way so Jason can. Um, well, um, you know, we were a family band, We, you know, young kids, you know, and we grew up together, me and Sims, and Shandon was, like, the, you know, the, like, the most famous person in our high school, and me and him would, like, argue over Kiss and Motley Crue because, um, you know, I was a super huge Kiss fan, and then the Elder happened, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> like I was like already out of there. And right when all this transistor was happening was um, you know, too fast for love and all that stuff. So, you know, I was like, dude, no, it's cool, it's cool. And he was like, dude, no, you know, the Elder Rocks, whatever, and no. um. But um, so there was then the San Antonio music scene, there was all these um people that we looked up to, you know. And Jason is a huge, huge, huge influence and uh someone that I personally and I know my brother really, you know, we just had a lot of respect for. And uh we were rehearsing, and one day Sims just like he was, he was always really casual about stuff, but he was like, Oh yeah, man, Jesus' coming by. And I remember we were just all like, I'm just getting goosebumps now thinking about it, because we were all just like, dude, no way, Jesus coming by. <laughs> and um Jason came by and he sang with us. And I think if I remember right, we did um feeling for my feeling, maybe. Mm or something. We just played some songs and you left and you were super cool and, you know, I think my mom and, you know, you're just really nice and great and uh, I remember standing in the front yard talking to you and um, and then you left. Yeah, you know, and it was just like oh, Jason was here. <laughs> and, um, you know, but then over the years, of course, we got to know Jason and um, but before that happened, and this is one of my favorite stories that maybe Jason doesn't know, but um Guns well,
1: and I remember coming. I remember coming over to to the house, quote the house, and jamming with you guys. And I and there was a couple of other times I came over. I think I even stayed the night once or twice. And I think I came over and brought some old Watchtower VHS tapes because you guys I remember are that pick all that out. And I think that might have been the time I slept on the couch there in the living room down there. And Betsy would come over and jam because sometimes Shandon couldn't make it or you guys were seriously like family band. And it's, it's so cool. You guys are still in touch. Everybody's in touch with each other. Yeah. You know, it's right. so so cool. But, uh, I felt like I was welcome into this, this sort of like new crop of, of peeps. And I didn't, it was like not a big deal to me to just like, drive down to San Antonio with a friend or something and hang out with you guys for hours. And I met all y'all's people and we ended up doing gigs together. I met Jared before he was in Pariah. And
2: Cheater. I don't know anything
1: about Cheater.
2: Cheater was a really cool San Antonio band and we played a, um, a battle of the bands with them. And this was like, you know, I had a mullet and like (laughs) I had this like carbon guitar and we played, um, battle of bands i if i remember right we were still a three-piece with shannon this band is called pariah that we're talking about yeah um but um i think we're still a three-piece and we went in and you know played like cool and his caddy and all these like kind of songs that we had done and um early pariah yeah yeah, and then cheater went on (laughs) and cheater what is is cheater cheater was jared's band and um and they had, like, literally Taylor Hawkins type dude on drums that was just killer. He set up sideways, and Jared comes out there and just destroys this battle of the bands, including how us. How,
1: how come I don't know about
2: this shit? <laughs> um, well, just take it up with Jared, dude, because he's, um, he's holding back on the cheater.
0: <laughs> I guess so. He needs- so. So is that your introduction to Jared, I guess?
2: Um, I don't know if that... I think that was the first time that I ever met Jared or, you know, but I just remember afterwards we were like, dude, we got to get that guy to play guitar for us. You know,
1: you yeah. stole him. Now I had met him in 87 or, or late 86 or something like that. Um, at the Woodlawn theater, he was working for big Earl sound and they were doing a watchtower gig at the Woodlawn there in San Oh,
2: Canadian. Awesome. Big Earl there. Awesome.
1: He was actually, I think, teching for Ron Jarzombek. It was one of the early Jarzombek gigs with Watchtower. So that would have been 87, sometime in 87. And uh, that was when I met him. And he was he was like, I was talking to him about something. And he was like, hey, you think Ron should use my wireless? And I'm like, I don't know. You should ask him I mean, unless you want to roll by your crib and just bring it. And he goes, yeah, I'll just do that. And I remember that conversation. And then... The next time I saw Jared, he was on stage with you guys at Rockers opening for the toys. Right. I remember that. I was that like, show. hey, you're the dude from the Woodlawn, Big Earl. And he's like, yep. And he, <laughs> I think he had told me there at the Woodlawn the day that I met him that he played guitar and, and that he was in, in like a cover band. He was in like a touring cover band. Of I something.
2: remember he did a covering band. Um I don't think I, I might have saw that band one time, but. Yeah, the bottom line was is he was killer and we had we there was no way like we thought he would say yes you know because oh. it was just again everybody to us or to me anyway because i was a little younger than sims but you know it was like everybody was like oh whoa i mean you just mentioned like ron Gerzombek. you're talking billy white you're talking you you're talking you know so all these you know sean Som like you know you know and i was still trying to figure out like how to do anything
0: you know well, yeah we're, we're, we're throwing a lot of names around here and just real quick for the benefit of our listeners and, and viewers who we're, we're all Texas boys and we know each other in the background. But uh, just to recap real quick, we're talking about when we when we're talking about Jared, we're talking about Jared Tootin, who's the producer of the Talk Louder podcast. Also, Jason's songwriting partner in Broken Teeth. Um, he was in Pariah with Kyle, our guest here, and um you mentioned Shandon. Shandon is Shandon Psalm. You mentioned his brother Doug. I mean, oh. I'm sorry, uh, Sean. Sean Som. Both are the uh, the sons of Texas music legend Doug Som. So there's a lot of interconnection going on here. And I just want to clarify for people listening who may not know the names as as, as much as we do, because we're these guys are all our friends. But uh, yeah, we're talking Texas, you know, music yeah. royalty. When you're talking about the Psalm Brothers thank and their father,
1: thank you for father. doing that, Dave. Now people are, I can, I can feel Google search <laughs> uh, aflame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people are looking so, up.
0: And then you know, talking. I didn't realize this, uh, Kyle. I grew up in San Antonio, and the first time I saw Pariah was on a on a bill with presents. Uh, speaking of Sean Psalm, uh, Sean presence was Sean's band out of San Antonio. And at the time they were a three piece and Sean was the lead vocalist and guitarist. And they were sort of San Antonio's big hope at the time. And they were a big draw. They played, they opened for every national act that came through town. And I remember seeing pariah at, this was at a pool hall in universal city and I always—I never knew Pariah's origins were in San Antonio because I always associated you with Austin. So, so sort of summarize the the formation of Pariah in San Antonio, um, and and then the move to Austin and why and and how the band that became the Pariah that was signed to Geffen sort of gelled.
2: Um. Well, I'm really grateful that I grew up in the San Antonio music scene because yeah. it was the heavy metal capital of the world. Hell yeah! You had like Joe Anthony, 99.5 Kiss, you know, all the shows that we went to see, like you name it, dude, I I saw it in the arena there. Like, it, you know, and it was everything from like, you know, Shout at the Devil Tour to Wasp to, you know, a lot of metal Dio, um, you know, all the stuff that we grew up on. But and there was a cool little music scene and. To me, one of the most, um, the best things about San Antonio is that no one was going anywhere. So you made music, that was your escape. Because there was no, like, it wasn't like you were going to make it. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? I, it was like, it was like, I mean, we all tried. like, right, let's get, let's, like, we're going to be the first band to get out of here, you know, but it wasn't like that. It was more like, you know, like, I mean, it's kind of how I wish Austin still was, where it's like rent's cheap, you know, you could, you could get a warehouse to practice in because no one cares about that warehouse. You know what I mean? Like all those things that I think are really important to like nurturing a, a band, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so we were lucky to have that is my point. And me and Sims definitely wanted out. <laughs> we just wanted to go somewhere, you know? Um, and we were really fortunate to have a, you know, a mother that was super um, supportive, you know, I mean, she was definitely like the, you know, at the time we were a three piece and then a four piece and then a five piece. But, you know, mom was always the, that extra, the extra band member because she was like a, you know, she has a school named after she's like a killer PR lady. So she was like, Oh, you want to do music? All right, well, <laughs> let's rock this, you know? Yeah. And, you know, Jason remembers, we'd be upstairs playing like, you know, me and Jared both had 100 watt plexi marshals, loud yeah, you guys as you were
1: violently loud, and she was just up
2: down downstairs, downstairs reading a book,
1: <laughs> smiling and just happy as hell, and, and completely supportive. Yeah, that's that's when I knew that I could hang with all you guys when I just met her and met the met all your crew and met all your your people. And it seemed like there was always this like Brady bunch. Thing going on you know and 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 happy happy vibes and and you guys were and are great musicians and uh, it, was, it freaked me out that you guys were so young and could play any solo and play put together any song and that Shanda knew every kiss song in the world and you know it was you guys were winning you guys had everything and anything that uh, that, oh, that a young man would would want in, in order to uh, you know here you go Cre- uh, this is your this is your room to create go y'all go crazy till something really magical happens. So, so
0: how did you find Dave Derrick, your your singer in Pariah? That's a good question.
2: Um, well, we were, all, we were looking for a singer because, no offense to Shandon, but he would talk a lot in between songs. <laughs> and um, we decided we didn't want the between song banter, um, you know, as much. And we, so we started thinking about a front man. And Shannon's a great singer, by the way, um, I thought. Um, but either way, we, you know, we started looking for a singer and Dave was at our high school as well. And, you know, we tried out all these people and like, you know, people would come over and then our house would turn into like, you know, <laughs> like a total drug and booze den of like Uh-oh. craziness. And like, Uh-oh. you know, there was this one guy that I remember ended up in prison who came and tried out. And, um, and then there was this one kid that um, he just looked super cool. And he was like, you know, but he had never sung ever, you know, yeah. but he was like straight up, like, and we we're like, Hey, will you sing? And, he came over and i i think he hated us after that and um <laughs> but yeah dave came over and just sang you know and he could sing you know and it was like wow you know it was well,
1: um well, for the re- for the record and i don't need to say anything but i'm going to say it just because no one else needs to probably say it because they all know already and y'all know of course he's one of the baddest motherfuckers out there
0: yeah I mean, every, all the talent, the collective talent in Pariah is, is, you know, was was pretty incredible. You know, you've got Kyle on guitar, you got Jared on guitar, who was blowing doors off at the Battle of the Bands thing, impressed Kyle. So the lineup now is Kyle and Jared on guitar. Both guys went on to do amazing things. You've got Kyle's brother, Sims Ellison, on bass, who was, you know, probably one of the most charismatic guys in the scene at the time then you got dave derrick who's a hell of a vocalist and on drums you got shandon psalm that's you couldn't put a much better band together at that time in the san antonio austin area so it it it, you know and then everybody moved on to do different things so did, did the move to austin was that sort of because like you said earlier no one ever really broke out of san antonio so it was the logical step or what no
2: it was it was um Okay, A, I appreciate everything y'all just said, but I have to say that all those bands were badass, and all those bands, like, for me, I see it more from, like, an insecure point of view, like, y'all were, like, the shit, you know what I mean? I mean, you're talking, like, and so we were, like, trying, you know what I mean? To get, to get some. That, I, you know, that's great, I mean, we can. I appreciate it, but I'm just saying, we you can, know, I'm, Neil Walker's talented as shit. Like all these people had, you know what I mean? It's just like yeah. there was talent. I mean, so I just want to say that. But we moved to Austin because all our gigs started being in Austin. You know. Okay. And um, and then we got Wayne Nagel, who you interviewed on this show, yeah. And um, um, you know, people like that to manage us, and so our, you know, most of our gigs started being up here. You know, and so. And then granted, you know, me and Sims were just turning 18 and it was like, cool, we can leave now, you know? Yeah. And we loved it up here. It was like a small town. I mean, I don't know how many people there were, but what, Jason, like 200,000? I don't
1: know, but we're, you know, to put a time frame on it, you're talking about when you guys moved up here, it probably would have been around 89 or 90. Or 88
2: then, yeah.
1: 88, Yeah. So yeah. why
0: were all your gigs happening in Austin? Was your music just a better fit in Austin or were you actively seeking out gigs in Austin because there wasn't much of a place for you in San Antonio?
2: There was definitely a place for us in San Antonio. So it wasn't that. Um, okay. We just started getting all these gigs at the back room, ah, okay. you know, and and, and, and you know, places like the Steamboat and the back room and um, and then our management was up here and. Plus, we liked it up here because we play shows and, you know, you drive like five minutes and you always felt like you're in the woods and, yeah, you know, people were doing mushrooms and it was like just groovy and cool, you know, not that San Antonio's not, but you know what I'm saying? It was just a different, I don't know. We were also itching to go anywhere, like, you know, anywhere.
1: I get that when you, yeah. when you, when you're stuck in the same, you know, house and town that you, that you grew up in, it's, it's kind of a a fantasy or a fantastical idea to, even if it is just an hour and a half away, you just, you know, drive up the road and you're in this, you know, Alice in Wonderland where, Oh yeah.
2: You're like, we made it. Yeah.
1: Well, You're right down the street, you know,
0: it's sort of your first taste of being a rock and roll pirate. It's like, hey, let's pile in the van. It's a road trip, and we're going to play in front of people that aren't our immediate circle of friends, and they actually like us. And hey, this town is cool. So I get it, man. You're you're young. There's an attraction there, and you're, you know, itching to get in the van or the station wagon or whatever. And uh, you know, th- that's that's kind of living the dream at that point, right? How
1: did you? How did you? Um definitely you you have management now so and this would have been what ninety right
2: i'm terrible at time frames like, yeah that's good is
1: good enough eighty nine ninety you have yeah, you have wayne helping you out you're hanging around the austin rehearsal complex which was new at the time ish ninety ninety eight you know um no 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 eighty nine no a no, no, what time did wh- when did the a r c open is okay, that hold on. New?
2: Is that early can, I say, can I say one early. thing before before we leave San Antonio? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, I just want to tell one more Jason story that happened in care. San Antonio. <laughs> okay. So gun, Guns N' Roses was playing. Oh, I love this
1: one. I know this Ooh. one. Oh. Yeah. I love this one. Yeah,
2: okay. and so it was before they were famous. You know what I mean? They were like, how many people, Jason, you think there was 30, 50 people there? 100 people? It didn't say at packed at the,
1: at the Cameo Theater. The, yeah, the, the cam- story you're talking. Yeah. No, yeah. it was it was fucking packed.
2: It was. Yeah, it was okay. packed. For some uh, reason, uh, in my right, mind, it was like there was thirty people I there. Don't <laughs> That's how <laughs> I
1: remember it because they they I had just seen them open for the Cult, mm. and so they had been they were on tour, and so they were super well oiled machine. Um, the, I'll, of course, you, you can tell the story, but no, the place was packed, and the reason I, I have that memory is because I played the cameo all the time just a couple of years prior.
2: With Watchtower.
1: Correct. And, which I
2: saw there, and y'all came on and were like, for your encore, you were like, this is side two of 2112. Side one. which so, All right, side one of 2112, <laughs> and by the way... That was the first vinyl that I ever personally bought on my own in a schoolyard for 50 cents. And so when y'all did that, I was just like, holy shit. And then they did it.
1: I was like, like <laughs> I knew that was the reason wow. that I loved you, Kyle. No, <laughs> <laughs> so, so no, it was, it was, the place was packed. And I think the old, the place only holds like five or 600 people for the right. Yeah, point. it was a HBO small theater. theater yeah, downtown right. San Antonio. It's, I love that place. Yeah. Me too. It was awesome.
2: Well, So so two things happened. Um, I had this pariah demo from when we were a a three piece, I think, or it might have been the one with Dave. Yeah, the four piece one. Um, And so I take it up to the front of the stage and I hand it to to Duff and Duff grabs it out of my hand. He looks at it throws it on the ground, stomps on it with his boot, and then they just bust into the song. And I was just like, yeah! Like, it was like the cool... <laughs> like, it was so wow. badass. He did not... You know, he looked at it and he was like, destroy song. That's and like was,
1: a Sid Vicious move.
2: It was badass. And, By the um, way,
1: this would have been about 87.
2: Right. They this were on fire. You they guys were on
1: were, fire. You guys were kids.
2: We were kids. Yeah, I would have been like 16, 17. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, and then so at the end of the set, they they start playing Knocking on Heaven's Door. And, and you could tell me, Jason, if I remember this wrong. But um, Axel's like, knock, knock, knock on Heaven's Door. And he'll stick the mic out and let people answer. You know what I mean? And stick it in front of some girl. She'd she's like, knock it on Heaven's Door. And some dude is passing the mic around, sticks it in front of this guy. And the guy just like blows, like just I mean, he like answers back, knock, knock, knock it on heaven's door, but like act as good as Axel, if not better. Right. Wow. And you just see Axel just pull the mic back. like Just really fast. He pulls the mic back. And I just remembered me and Sims going, man, we got to go see who that dude was. Cause what the, you know, and it was Jason.
1: (laughs) Well, wow. Well, you're, you're, (laughs) he did. The cool thing is, is Axel did not pull the mic back.
2: Okay, so he I'm actually gonna let me
1: he I actually went into like, you know, I was that's natural, right? So he handed me a mic. I'm gonna take the motherfucker. Well, I put my hand around it and I did my thing and he did not pull that mic away. He was cool. He was cool. He held it and he, <laughs> he even kind of smiled a little bit. And I saw Steven Adler light up, I saw Duff light up and Slash turned his head, like, who the fuck is that? Wow
2: yeah see I yeah. remember it totally different um, um not not to- not totally different, but <laughs> well, you know, granted, I was like always really high and um <laughs> so no, that's why I wanted to know what the real reality was, but I just remember yeah you you like sang and it was just like whoa I have, whole- a,
1: I have a thing to add um uh, I remember axel's mic stand was you know belonged to the sound company, it wasn't his personal it wasn't the crutch it wasn't the custom mic stander and it was just a sound regular old mic stand and he used a wireless and they didn't have the right clip the enlarged clip you know for a for a wireless mic because a wireless mic is bigger they had the kind of the the roach clip type thing where you with a spring uh, in it where you you squeeze the bottom and it opens up like jaws and you put your microphone in there well those for the record Fucking suck. Suck. Yeah. <laughs> those those clips. Uh, bad idea. That's why you don't really see that st- that style of mic clip anymore. But anyway, so the mic stand fell at some point, which is not a surprise at all. Uh, I don't think that Axel, you know, Axel didn't chuck it or didn't kick it or, but it, it had fallen. And no one gave a shit that it fell, of course, but that mic clip snapped in half. Another reason they fucking suck.
2: They had like this little spring and they were like plastic. And back then they were way worse than.
1: (laughs) But I'll make this story shorter by it. it, It's almost over. I promise. I have a piece of that mic clip, red duct tape on it. I still have it. I have it. Dude, I'm in the front row at that gig as you part of your story. I was in the front row. Uh, the mic stand falls, the mic clip breaks, that piece of plastic from the mic psh, slid right up to me. So I just grabbed it and put it in my pocket. It was broken. They're not going to go, Hey, yeah, I need that back. You know, it was broken. Right. I still have it to this day.
0: I, I never. I never knew that. You, yeah. you, Jason sang with Guns N' Roses. I never knew no,
1: that. No, well. That's the other thing I
2: remember <laughs> about that show is just that Guns N' Roses was killer. Like, they were just really good. Like, it was like yeah. they were on fire that night. It was like, whoa. Well, and this is around, this
1: is right after MTV had that concert of them at the old Studio 54. The Ritz yeah. show. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. That, that, con- that
1: MTV concert is fucking balls to the wall (laughs) so it was right after that so they were like i said they were on fire they were opening for the cult they were playing smaller venues smaller venues think whoever booked them at the cameo i love you thank you so much because it changed the way people saw and listened to rock and roll forever after that show
2: no, it was, yeah, it was a cool. It was definitely, like- it
1: was good. We were lucky to see them. Do you remember the name of the opening band? I don't, Emerald.
2: Oh, Emerald, I do now. Yeah, I remember Emerald. <laughs> That's right.
0: Wow. Yeah, Emerald. I saw that. I saw that
2: y'all, um, y'all interviewed Legs Diamond. Yeah, yeah, um, yes. dude, I, I still listen to Woman to this day. <laughs>
1: That's your Joe Anthony influence.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and I, I saw—I used to see them at the Sunken Gardens, and presents would open up. Yep. And I just, yeah, I really loved—I really loved Legs Diamond. And a lot yeah. of those, yeah.
0: They were great. So you, uh, so Pariah relocates to to Austin.
1: My question: um, Can I finish? My question was going to be: at, You get management. You're in Austin. You get management from from that moment of like, all right, well, we got a manager now. What the fuck are we do now? Right. When, where there, when was their label interest? And can you, do you recall what, what exact songs or, you know, what, what songs were you sending out to garner interest and where did you showcase for your deal?
2: Um, well, you know, South, I, by never South. Knew any,
1: I never knew any of this stuff. So this is
2: fun. South to- South by, we, you know, we became a staple at the back room as Jason and you guys know. And, um, I don't, I mean, I think shatter me was a big, um, a lot of people like shatter me and sick kid and that, you know, that EP that we made, you know, that rather your skull record that we made, we sold 25,000 copies of that. Holy You shit. know, And we're talking, you know, on our own. Five thousand. Mm-hmm. Before, before Instagram and all, you know, before all this, I mean, we used to have like bags of mail because, and it was a lot to do with Metal Edge, dude, like Metal Edge put us in there. And once that happened, then all of a sudden we started getting, you know, fans. You and know how then- I mean,
1: you know many young bands right now would shit themselves if they had any crystal ball to tell them they were going to be able at all to sell 25,000 copies of fucking anything? Check this out.
2: Check this out, dude. My friend my friend um in a band in San Francisco. He's not my friend. He's my friend's daughter's boyfriend, right? Okay, I'm with you. And they have like 10 million views wow. on on Spotify. 10 million views. And they've they've only sold like I forget what he said, like 12,000 copies or something. Yeah, but what's wrong with that picture? How does that not? I mean, isn't that crazy? To, like, what? Like us? What we wouldn't have done for like 10 million views? You know, it's like.
1: But but that means they're not. No one's putting their money where their mouth is. No one's buying the product in order no, to just, press let's, play just, or let yeah, them just like keep. Yeah, I, that's the, that's a whole new another interview. conversation. Yeah, yeah a whole new interview about the devalue of music because of digital. Crazy. So yeah. Yeah, we won't we won't get into. Well,
2: that. you know that helped that we sold some records on yeah. our own. It helped yeah. that we had a, a really devoted, loyal following. You know what I mean? It helped that there was
1: nationwide, if I don't recall, you guys. Were basically…
2: Cause of metal edge, you, you had probably, a
1: newsletter. You had metal edge love. You had Pin pals. You had all that stuff was happening. We you also
2: know, had so. dangerous toys in Austin. We also had all these other bands that were, you know, you guys got signed before we did. Right. I mean, if I remember like, well, well
1: yeah, it was the South by of, uh, 88, March of 88 that we met our connections. And soon after, uh, we did our showcases for about six or seven major labels without leaving Austin. So that was part of my question. When you guys were, you know, who were you courting? Were you courting everyone? Was it your manager courting them? Was it your mom? Was
2: it your president? We didn't, we we didn't, you'd have to ask Wayne Nagel. We didn't know who we were courting. You know, we were just <laughs> playing, dude. <laughs> we were playing and like, and then we would be told like, hey, these dudes are coming. And then you meet okay. all these people. You know how it is? It's like we met Bob Ezra and we're like, whoa. And then Jared gets appendicitis or like, yeah, <laughs> you he know. Told that story. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's just a bunch of stuff like that. And, you know, um, I mean, one of the coolest, Max Norman, did I say the producer guy?
1: Yeah, yeah. He did the Toys record. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Didn't he do Ozzy? Yeah.
1: Yeah. With Rhodes? some yeah. Some song called Crazy Train. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, he did that. He did. Um, I remember um, there was a chance that he wanted to do our record. He did Pantera too, right? Am I right? No,
0: I don't know. I don't he think didn't. Pantera. No,
1: didn't. for
2: some reason I thought he did, but. Um, did Megadeth? Did Megadeth? Armored well,
1: State, Megadeth, Dirty Looks. It goes on and yeah. on and on, on. Yeah.
2: I mean, you just start meeting these people, you know. Once there's like a buzz, but basically, it was probably because of South by Southwest and and you know just that kind of hype around Pariah shows. I think all kind of accumulated. So, so when I mean, it was 12 years, right, when we finally got signed of being a band?
0: Wow, yeah. Uh,
1: well, it would have been, ni- ni- yeah, you're right. You're right. You guys worked hard, and it would have been, your record came out in 92. So that's a lot of work that you had to do.
2: So it wasn't 12 years, but it was a long time. Maybe it was 12 yeah. years after we broke up or whatever, but it was, you know, it, it wasn't overnight, you know, to us. It was just like, play shows, play shows. We got fans one by one. Like our first gigs, dude, really were in a pool hall. There's three people, you know, and you're like, we got to win over these three people. And yeah. you'd win over like one of them. <laughs> you know I mean?
0: but... That's still a victory. <laughs> so
1: yeah, that's... that is a victory. I, I heard from a friend of ours, Johnny Medina, uh, one time he goes, you win your fans one at a time. You don't, don't, you know, it's a victory if you, if one person, buys something or walks out you know converted
0: talking about you yeah, yeah. you need yeah you,
1: you need to think like that don't you know catch one fish and it's a great day you're not trying to catch them all you don't well, this you is kind of like
2: them. that thing about like what is success you know and like i remember we did like a wing everybody tour. defines that different man well we did a wing tour with the gibby haynes solo record and after the whole tour she was like man it's too bad we you know that so that, you were
1: and, you were playing with Gibby on the with Gibby Haynes and for his solo tour is what you're
2: as doing. a guitar player, yeah. yeah and, um, but I just remember Shannon being like, "Dude, it's too bad that record wasn't a success." And I was like, "What are you talking about, dude? We made a record, we put it out, we toured with Ween for like three months. You know, that's, it's like it's look, like
1: that's you have to look at that. You know, like
2: that's pretty. Like to me, that's a success. You but know,
1: if you, if no one got hurt, no one got sick. You made it. That's what league. I mean. If you
2: didn't get in a car crash, you know, like
1: it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you make a little bit of money? Did you, you know, I mean, yeah, your your measurement of, of success and what you if you feel more deserving than what ended up happening, you might want to rearrange your thought patterns.
2: Well or if you think like, you know, I mean to me it's like it's you know it's it was basically Gibby's solo record, you know? Yeah. And we we you know we made the record we wanted to make so you know I didn't think that it was gonna be like Taylor Swift or some shit you know what I mean it's <laughs> like yeah. no no but- the face on the cover is like got like you know pearl warts all over it and stuff like what, yeah. what are you <laughs> I'm, I'm sure
1: we're talking about Gibby Haynes here so yeah right
0: of it's gonna oh, be
2: okay. kind of fucked up yeah.
0: Gibby Gibby of course from Butthole Surfers fame yeah.
2: San Antonio fame San Antonio is he Hello. a San Antonio guy also. So is Charlie Sexton. So is JJ. I, I Butthole
1: surfers. Hold on. Butthole surfers are a San Antonio band.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I never knew that either. Wow. I lived in San really? Antonio. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe we stumped Metal Dave. What What time period were they active in, in San Antonio playing clubs and whatnot? In
1: 1980, 80,
0: 1980. Oh, okay. Because I'm not there yet. Yeah.
1: Because 70s because 1980. Right. That's right.
0: Yeah, because that's before uh, my time my, a little bit. My
1: first vinyl appearance ever, because there was no such thing as anything else. It was no maybe maybe cassettes. Uh, have been 80, 83 or eighty four on a uh, a hardcore Texas hardcore compilation called Cottage Cheese from the Lips of Death. The cover. <laughs> The cover art was painted by Gibby Haynes and the story goes like this. We just did a slew of interviews with uh Dave McLean from S.A. Slayer and and Ron Jarzombek from San Antonio Slayer Watchtower as well. And we so there's been a lot of fodder, a lot of talk about the boss studios on uh Broadway.
2: Right.
1: Uh Bob O'Neill Sound Studios is what that studio was called. And when we met this Watchtower guys, met the San Antonio Slayer guys, and bob from that studio saw us play and had we had the endorsement from slayer yada yada we ended up recording there so we're recording there and it's 83 or 84 it's early days and we were the next session we were working in the recording on spec where it was you know we didn't have any money you know we were wait buttholes were paying to have the day and they were mixing for this compilation record And so they're cleaning up their stuff and like Rick Shreves, the engineer, puts on the reels and we're going to listen to a couple of songs from the week before that he had mixed. And Meltdown comes on. And Gibby Haynes and Paul Leary are sitting there and then melt that ding, 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 ding. Love that.
0: It, it was watchtower uh, song.
1: Yeah. That old version of meltdown is fucking killer.
2: Raw. I love it.
1: Raw. So, <laughs> like, and I'm singing like more like Udo Dirk Snyder than I am an angry Getty Lee. Wall so to the wall. dude. So gibby says what the hell is this and these these kids right here man called watchtower And he goes well we need another song on this compilation i want that
0: awesome oh wow so that's yeah. how that happened wow
1: so yeah. yep kind of kind of just weird happening that it ended up dude dri is on there there's like all butthole surfers and it's crazy so yeah. bunch of San Antonio punk the offenders are on there. I'm in a band with the drummer from the offenders in igniter. It's crazy how that like incestuous the whole thing is just from being, you know, that Austin San Antonio kind of you know, San Antonio and Austin have are the like the congenial twin, you know. Hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's
1: like the hunch You got the you got the hunchback, right? <laughs> like San Antonio's the hunchback kind of thing. <laughs> anyway, Where were you showcasing for labels? You didn't even realize you were showcasing? They were just coming to the gigs via Wayne or whatever?
2: No, we would, you know, we were playing the back room and so they would always time it around that and it would, you know, some of it was the South by Southwest, you know, when everybody's going to be in town and stuff. But it was, you know, it was usually at the back room that, you know, like that's where Tom Zutout saw us, that's where the Chrysalis guy saw us. You know, right. th- it was always the back room, as far as I remember. But, you know, I don't even know that Axel didn't hold the mic back, so I could be totally rough. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <So> they,
0: <laughs> well, you end up getting signed to Geffen Records, which is a, a pretty big deal. And and at the time, in the late 80s, their roster was untouchable. They had Guns N' Roses. They had Nirvana. They had White Zombie. They had Peter Gabriel. They had Aerosmith. I mean, they and so you're a hard rock band signed to a label that's got a pretty solid roster of of hard rock bands that are selling well. So it looks like the recipe for success. Well, Um,
1: just to be clear, to put a timestamp on it, this is how I remember it. If you guys remember it differently, please tell me. But I think that you guys got your deal around 90 or 91, and your record didn't even come out until – fucking 92 or something
2: okay. almost a second. yeah, yeah it no, almost, they, that answers it was, my
0: question yeah
2: they um they you know straight up told us that you know we couldn't guns and roses had to finish their record before they were going to release our record
0: yeah, yeah, they were putting <laughs> energy into their. So you could to, you could you could say in a sense to, to, to Jason's point that the record comes out at a time when the musical landscape has sort of changed. But from you know, I've had this conversation with Jared and and he's he says that, um, you know, the, the label kind of was initially sort of hell bent on keeping you guys as this sort of sleazy, dirty rock band and they but you guys had sort of aspirations of moving into sort of a Jane's Addiction mother love bone at least some shades of that sort of musical style and you would think that given what was selling at the time the label would be open to that maybe it is is any of this ringing a bell or am i just pulling this out of thin air it's,
2: it's ringing a bomb no. <laughs> yeah
0: okay so so why wouldn't the label be receptive to something you know usually they're trying to mold a band into something that's going to work here you guys are naturally gravitating towards that and obviously talented but there's they're still not hearing you what's what's going on with geffen records at that point
2: Well, I think they should have left us alone and let us have a natural course as a band, you know? And our part, you know, my personal part in it is that I signed that contract. (laughs) Like, um, you know, it's just, you know, it was, um, I mean, to me, it was presented in a way that wasn't exactly um, accurate, you know? It wasn't what they, you know, I mean, we had to fight for everything we got to do as soon as we signed that contract. And I don't mean that in a, I mean, you know, granted, I only have my only my point of view on this. So, you know, um, I don't I don't feel I don't feel fucked over, by guess. Let me just put it that way. What I do think, though, is I think that we were really naive. We were really young. There's things at play. I mean, didn't even Eric Johnson get shelved for like five years? I heard that story. You know, I remember when we got dropped, Doug Psalm was like, dude, what's, why are y'all so upset? Like, I've been dropped like 40 times, like, you know, but we were young, you know, we were really young. We were, you know, I was naive. Let me just put it that way. And um,
1: well, it could have been the blessing in disguise when I, my experience with a major label was we asked to be let go from the label. It's like Perfect. they're not happy with anything that we're doing, and we've been writing. We wrote 80 fucking songs and sent them to them. This was still cassette days, 90s, right? And, and, uh, and they're going, nope, keep writing, nope, keep writing. And eventually we were just like calling management going, no, you fucking keep writing. Can you just ask them if we can just be let go from the label? And they said, yeah, sure. You guys have been nothing but patient with us and bada, bada, bada. So it was one of those things because that word, oh, man, they got dropped. It's such a negative sounding connotation that... It's
2: not all yeah yeah oh, you, there's,
0: you, there's there's plenty of uh, stories of of like you're saying jason bands fighting to be let go jesus yeah. you, you guys are holding me hostage Watch i've got things dirt. to do and i can't Watch get out the of this dirt. contract the
1: dirt, they talk it's the same thing with the in the dirt i mean yeah. it's normal it's it's normal yeah. but when you're young like you're saying kyle and with with respect it's like when you don't realize that you know, you're, you're you're only without a record out until you get off your ass and write one and put one out your fucking self. You don't need. Obviously, you sold 20,000. Don't miss the point that you sold 25,000 copies of something on your own prior to the big shining light. You know,
2: I mean, I can't prove this. But what I think is we're about to sign with Chrysalis And that guy was one of the heads of MTV at the time. And we were going to be their version of the, you know, they're they're going to put a lot into it. And I thought, I think that Geffen was kind of like, okay, this, you know, even, I mean, think about it. Even if we took away a hundred thousand record sales, you know, that's, that's, that's still a million bucks. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe they're just like, okay, we'll sign them if they make it cool. Good for us, you know, but it's also a tax write-off. And I don't know, they, either way they shelved it until Use Your Illusions came out. Right. You know, and so and then they did finally release it to their credit. And we had to fight, you know, I mean, the whole thing was like, use Bill Price, which would have been awesome. But then it was like, you can't use Bill Price until he's done with the Guns and Roses. So that's why we were like talking to people like Max Norman and like, you know, because so we you, were like, we don't want to wait for a two more years. Right. You know, we felt like we were dying on the vine. So Tom
1: Worman Werman was available and you ended up with him, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. How was that experience?
2: Uh, I mean, I liked everybody I met. Tom was a trip. Um, I loved Eddie Delena, who was the engineer, because he, you know, he was just in the trench with us, like, you know, helping us make a record, you well, know, he's
1: made, he's made a million records. So, you know, you want somebody like that, that knows what's going to work and what's yeah, not and work as far as where the microphones go, what you're going for in the song.
2: I mean, you know, Tom was always nice to me, you know, took me to his house, turned me on to Neil Young when a man needs a maid, all that kind of shit. At the same time, you know, he was asleep, you know, during a lot of our sh- session. <laughs> and Sims used to go up to him and take big pussy signs on him and shit. So <laughs>
1: wow, that's hilarious.
2: he was getting paid 80 grand. So we kind of thought he should be awake, you know, yeah. but yeah. he wasn't asleep the whole time. I mean, you know, you, I just, it's easy to like, look back and pick on people, you know, but. Do you yeah. remember
1: me stopping by the studio out there when you guys were recording?
2: At the Conway. Yeah. Or was it? Yeah. I do kind of remember that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was a
2: nice, that was a
1: nice place. You guys were recording. Well, that's
2: what I mean. It's like, dude, I don't, you can't say Geffen screwed us over on that, you know?
1: No, that shit was nice. That (laughs) (laughs) courtyard, there was this nice, like sun courtyard in the middle of the building. And it was kind of like a sort of a square shaped sort of setup. And there was, there was rooms just everywhere.
2: And the um, studio was killer. Yeah, yeah it the, was super, the rooms, super, yeah.
1: super nice. I got to walk around and, and check out, you know, the drum room where where the kit was. I right.
2: mean, to Dave's point, you know, our, we were like influenced like everyone, right? We're influenced by what we're into, what we're hearing. I was young. Everybody was young. So we were trying to figure out who we were, you know, and yeah. then that transition you're talking about. I look at that more like, not that we wished we were Jane's Addiction, cause I just loved, everybody loved Jane's Addiction at that point. I mean, you're talking about n- nothing shocking, you know, it was killer. Are yeah. the EP before that, yeah. the live one, which was killer. Um, well, and
1: they kind of, they're one of those bands that sort of broke the mold, kind of like Mother Love Bone. I mean, there would yeah. be no Pearl Jam without Mother Love Bone. So it was- Exactly, yeah. This other shit- So we that. were just
2: in the music and yeah. we were still young and impressionable. So we we're taking our- inter- But the one thing that was developing for real was we were starting to find our own – we were slowly starting to find our own voice through all the pain and trials and tribulations and successes and whatever, you know, it just comes. Well,
1: I'm, I'm going to interrupt again, sorry. Uh, no, the, go for it. The songs that you guys were writing after you wrote all your, like, you know, shock rock, butt rock, you know, punk rock, Kind of like cock rock vibe that you had going on that was you know the late 80s and early 90s that was pariah and you guys had a thing going on and 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 even a look and everything and each guy in the band had their own deal and everything it was cool um that it's not a surprise when you guys got picked up me and the toys guys we were not shocked at all it was like it's about fucking time you know i've been talking about these guys for a year and You know, it's about time. So, you know, when you think about it, you guys were writing this sort of different sounding song when you're, I mean, you guys had like a whole record worth of shit, maybe two records worth of shit that sounded almost nothing like what's on Tamaka Killing Bird.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the change started coming around Torn and Tied you know we started yeah. writing stuff like that anesthesia yeah. like the middle section of anesthesia um you know did i hear you say kind of has that more like raw pariah guitar riff thing that i think we were evolving can into people
1: find, can people find these songs that that were recorded after uh tamaka Killingbird? can they find them anywhere
2: i think there's some on youtube like drift and um okay. something better um my cat keeps no. That's wanting fine. to be in the interview. Yeah, this be is the fun. first
0: one. <laughs> We've had cats on the show before. All right, it's quite all right. But
2: I think that.
1: But I think that you guys. Just the point that I'm making is, you guys were growing. And once again, you guys were young. The the, the landscape was just fucking weird. And uh, I don't care what anybody says. You're you're you know everyone is influenced by the things that are just flying right by you. You act all hard and shit when it flies by, but you're influenced by it. You're gonna think about it later. Especially if it's good and it, and if it's good, it's inspiring. It's inspiring. To...
2: It's inspiring That's, right? It?
1: That's right. That's right. I
2: mean when Why? I saw when I saw Allison change, like, I mean, what am I not supposed to be inspired? You know, it's yeah. fucking badass, you yeah, know?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So so there's there's things that are moving around internally in your creative minds. Uh So the record comes out where you, I mean, I saw you guys with Jackal and might've been a a weird sort of match. Maybe not, but who else did you guys roll with?
2: I mean, I think, you know, we ended up, we did shows with kicks. We did shows with like all kinds of people, you know, we even opened up for Pantera. Um, We did, we did those raves with Pantera and stuff. I have a good, um, I have a great story about um, Dimebag. Tell yeah. it. Tell it. Well, I just, you know, I, we, you know, when Cowboys from Hell came out and stuff, you know, obviously you're you're in your room like, dude, you know, it's just so awesome. Um Well, you're a fucking guitar player, so of course you're gonna be like Yeah, just right. like right. Um, but we um we played a show with them and then afterwards, um and those guys were older than me, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm still feeling like um like I can't really hang, you know, like I'm not.
1: <laughs> you know, not tough enough
2: not worthy all yeah. those things that's um, all
1: in your head man you're a sweet guy you're well
2: good. no but i just i'm just telling you the reality of how i felt and um but and i looked up to them you know and um so they were like hey you know come with us to sugars in san antonio Holy and so and so i'm like oh fuck you know am i gonna be able to hang you know and, and in my mind i'm picturing like oh shit i'm going to have to like learn how to shoot dope right now or something you know like i, <laughs> I you know i'm making up shit you know i'm just like uh, you know um
1: freaking yourself out yeah, yeah so we wow. go
2: and everybody goes to this big table and um and i just i, I remember feeling like oh man I, I don't know that i'm like tough enough you know yeah and okay. um
1: those guys were rowdy, man.
2: It was rowdy, and it was fun. It was fun, but I just had that little feeling like I'm not tough enough. And, um, and then Dad, dad Bag says, hey, dude, come here. And we went, and we sat on the sidebar, like away from everyone at the end of the bar, ordered a couple of beers, and we just talked about Randy Rhodes for two hours straight. Oh. And I had, like, the best night Ever. God and no, left with like hugs and like, yeah, dude, thank you. And I was just like, you know, and I left there like, oh wow, you know, it was nothing like I thought it was going to be. You read know?
1: your, he read your vibe, man. He could tell yeah. what was going on with you, yeah. And, and he made, he comforted you, and he, you know, what I call it, he let you in, bro.
2: Yeah, you know, he was yeah. super cool, and we just like talked about roads.
0: Wow. That's,
2: that's that's awesome the best, man yeah, yeah. some it some was nothing like what i was fearing you yeah know? i was like, gonna say like having yeah. to like sleep with a prostitute with a bunch of coke in a hotel room you know it was <laughs> none of that it was just like fucking revelation mother earth you yeah. know <laughs> tonight solo how great that i mean we we're just like down yeah. the roads rabbit hole
1: yeah that's wow. beautiful that's beautiful wow. see there's a lot of hardcore sort of you know daryl fans that that are gonna like shed tears when they hear that that he just kind of pulled you aside and you guys had moments that's, that's just
2: the next time I saw him was at, a um, in Los Angeles at a guitar wars. Wow. wow. And, um, and he just came out and just destroyed the whole place. Like, yeah. you know, when hands down, everybody's like, you're, we're not, we you know, you were right. And, um, and then I saw him in the parking lot and it was just brief, but I was like, Hey dude, it's killers. Look so- <laughs> nice
0: so uh so so the the deal you know the the album uh, by the way, Jason mentioned the title, but I want to mention it again for our listeners the album that came out on Geffen record was called uh, to Mock a Killing bird the pariah album um, obviously uh the 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 deal ran its course and um you know we we you can't tell the pariah story and and I and I want to tread lightly and I and I don't want to dwell up, bring up a lot of horrible, bad memories. But for people, people need to know that your, your brother Sims Ellison was the bass player in Pariah, one of the most charismatic guys on the music scene here in, in, in Austin. Um, and sadly took his own life at one point. Now, I, I obviously that's, that's gotta be just a devastating trauma for you and your family and outside of that your bandmates and i remember the entire city of austin was in mourning um, i didn't even know sims personally but when i heard that news and felt the shock wave run through the city uh it hurt man you know um certainly not as bad as it hurt you and and your family tell me how you know how you managed to get through that. Cause you, I, I've, I've come to know you uh, over the years and, and we're talking to you now and you, you, you put on a great, uh, you're, you're very sociable, well-liked. Ever, Jason called you a sweetheart earlier and I couldn't agree more. Uh, but I know that you, you had to deal with a lot to get to a place of peace or at least the peace that you present to us. Um, if you don't mind, you know, sharing some of that with us? Um, and if you don't want to, that's fine too. I, no, I, I, dude, I, I
2: appreciate, I mean, you know, it's important because, you know, mental illness is, a, is real and people suffer and we lose people. And I heard something the other day where someone was talking about being suicidal and then someone else said, never underestimate the hole that you're going to leave, you know? Yeah. And um, as far as how I got through it, Um, there's no got, you know, I haven't gotten through it. It's a, you know, I miss Sims. I could cry right now, you know, because it's, you know, it's a true loss. And, and that's like, you know, I still miss him every day because he's still not here every day. You know, like I went to see my mom last night and I took her to the emergency room. I was there all night, you know, Sims would have been there if he was here, you know, you know, so it's all these kind of things that, um, you know, I don't know what to really say about it besides, um, you know, there's some good that came out of it. The Sims foundation, you know, you guys, if you want to call it, I'm going to give you the number right now. It's um, 512-494-1007 and it's simsfoundation.org. And basically, you know, they help musicians get mental health care. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, thank God. Right. Because we try to get Sims help and it was like prehistoric back then. Right. Um, you know, as far Jason was there, Jason re- remembers a lot of how hard this actually was. Yep. Uh, but um, you know, as far as how I dealt with it, I didn't. I crumbled. I became suicidal myself. I lost like ten years of my life in like one of the deepest, darkest holes that you could be in. I finally understood, like, asking someone to stay alive in that much pain isn't fair because you can't live in that much pain. You know, you need help. You know what i mean like you need help and like i needed help and sims needed help and other people need help and you know so um you know it's truly um a loss but no but just and you know i mean i mean i don't know what to say about it besides um i wish he was here you know uh, I mean, how do you replace a Sims? <laughs> you it, know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's kind of one of one of a kind, and we were all blessed to even know him and be in Dude, the room. that's
2: how I that's how I am these days. It's just like I'm just so fucking grateful that I ever got to know him. You know, I remember I was in rehab and I went to trauma treatment to answer your question about how to deal with this. It took a year. And I was like a catatonic shell. And um and it's still like it affected my dad, affected our whole family. It spread out to affect everybody in the Austin community, like you just said. Yeah. So, um, what was I gonna say? Sorry.
0: So, so you, so you were you were talking about uh, was it were you, was it some sort of therapy, or or you you lost a year of your life, or it took a year to sort of you know not rebuild, but come back to a place of where you could manage the struggle a little better. If I'm choosing my words carefully here because I, I can't even begin to.
2: Yeah, no, there was some, I, yeah. I mean, that's definitely all true. I went to trauma treatment and ended up being gone for a year. And, um, you know, I was leaving to Hawaii to go work with someone weird like Storyville or Archangels the day that Sims died. Wow. And um, it took me um, 10 years before I could go to Hawaii. Cause I thought it was cursed and it was just so scary to me, you know, it was like yeah. so much trauma around just even Hawaii, you know, but I finally went cause I was like, I got to face that fear. Yeah. And, you know, um, it's but, not, it's not Hawaii's fault. Yeah.
1: No, it's no one's fault.
2: You it's know? not Sims's fault. No, it's of not, course not, it's not anyone's no. fault. You know, it's, um, there's, you know,
1: but your, I don't mind, know. your your mind was tricky. I'm just talking about the Hawaii connection, right? Your mind totally. was tricky. It was just you just felt. I was that.
2: terrified. Bands would ask me to go, um, you know, work for them, and they'd say, "Oh, dude, we're gonna play the House and in Blues in uh, Oahu," and I'd be like, "I'm not going, dude." And they'd be like, "What are you talking about? You work for us. You have to go." And I'd be like, "You don't understand. I will not go, and I would not go, and I did not go." <laughs>
0: well, those are, you know,
1: those, that's one of the things that. You know, that's not, that's, let's not look at that as like this silly thing. Oh man, that's just all in your head. This is what, this is what the foundation Here's another
2: is. one, dude. Here's another one. Um, when the, buttholes. This
1: is, let me finish. The, this is what people can get help for. Exactly. Yeah. Real yeah. things that can, yeah. that can be a roadblock for you that you need help with. So, but you have another one. Tell us about another one you felt was cursed.
2: Butthole surfers, not because of their fault, but when buttholes asked me to play with them, you know, I saw the buttholes. I saw Gibby come out with the shotgun and do the shotgun bit, you know. Oh, and that was, yeah. I thought it was awesome when I was, you know, a teenager and I saw that, you yeah. know, scared the shit out of the crowd. When Paul said, hey, we want, you know, would you come out with the buttholes? You know, I was stoked because it's the buttholes. And it's like, oh, who wouldn't yeah. want to do that? But I, I, I was like, I can't. How am I going to hear a shotgun go off every night? You know, like I'm not going to be able to, you know, I, that would just, I would have crumbled, dude, yeah. just from the sound, you know. So, like, he, but to Gibby's credit, he was like, what? You know, I won't take the shotgun. <laughs> I was like that. Yeah. And, you know, I would never want them to not do something because yeah, I don't know why he ultimately didn't do it, but they didn't do it. And I didn't, because uh, I really couldn't have gone at that moment. It was shortly yeah. after Sims that.
1: Just the fact it's- you going out uh, with them had some cathartic you know uh you know help for you I- internally and the fact that they were like if we just won't do that we'd rather have you out with us uh doing what we want what you should be doing anyway as an artist and adding to what we do as the buttholes well don't fuck the shotgun you know it, that says a lot about you know your your worth and that yeah. should in turn be healing for you
2: I was really lucky and fortunate that they, the meat puppets and the buttholes did that. that It was like a, it was like a a gift um, that, I mean, I could never thank them enough because I wasn't making it. I I mean, not making it in music, but in just being here still, you know, and like they plucked me out of that. And it was like, and then they took me on the road where it was okay to be as fucked up as I was. Yeah. You know, I I used to sit in the back of the I mean, I remember we opened up R.E.M. And I sat behind my amp because it was the only place I could get away from people and just was just losing it. And no one said stop. No one said, you know, they might have brought me some water or something, but no one was going to like, you know, it was just. Yeah. So I was you know, it was a safe place to be, you know, that's good. Yeah,
1: A lot of people people wouldn't have been able to be away from family or away from someone who's like keeping an eye on you because the road can be, especially being on tour with (laughs) people like the butthole servers and me puppets, which were probably completely nurturing to you. But when you think about the big thing, oh man, you're on tour and you're, you're, you're suffering from a traumatic loss and blah, blah, blah. It's like somebody was looking out for you.
2: Yeah, probably um, Sims. I don't know. I mean, I like you just said, like, you know, it'd be away from family. And it's like, when I heard that, I just thought, yeah, and I I was already away from family because Sims was gone. Well, you you, know, you you know 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 what I mean?
1: mean, And you know what I mean when I say that around. around,
2: I know exactly what you mean. Your
1: mom and your friends and the people who just want to hold you and make sure you're okay.
2: Yeah, totally. But you know, it was Kurt and it was Paul and it was Gibby and like it's like the best people in the world. You know, <laughs> it's
1: because they're fun and they're and they're gonna they're gonna say and do the things that that you need to hear and be able to do. And to- they're,
2: they they care and they're loving. Yeah. You know, they're like they're not gonna, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I I uh, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I know it's not easy to talk about, and and uh, I, I'm glad. That you were able to find peace in, in small segments with, you know, whether it was with Gibby and the buttholes or out with the meat puppets or whatever. And one of the reasons I bring it up is more than anything, just to honor Sims and, and, and say his name and, and get it out there because he was such a, uh, a loved uh, member of the Austin music community. And, um, and, 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 as you said, uh, if there's a silver lining that came out of this, it is the Sims foundation that does help, uh, musicians get mental health care. And it's been around for a long, long time. And that you hear, you hear the words Sims foundation in Austin, almost on a daily basis. And I think that speaks to the, to the longevity of the, of the organization and to the passion that's behind it and to the the commitment that's behind it and it's all in the name of sims so uh somewhat I,
1: unprecedented I, I, if you ask
0: me i think it I don't, might I don't, be i don't yeah. know
1: of a lot of i mean i think that they have a program in new orleans the you know, huge music scene there of course and i think that there's programs like that that are spotted but not every music community has something like the foundation so yeah i, I want to jump forward uh if i may
2: and yeah. can i say one more thing about that though of but you sure Hey, Jason. Want, dude. Jason and Sims lived together and um you know so that was um super sweet cuz um you know Sims was kind of going through some really hard times and he needed some place to land and I remember he landed with Jason for a while so that was
1: well it was dude we can't we can't, uh, that's sweet of you to say but it was Jeff the Jeff Tweedy mansion it was Jeff, oh. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Tweedy was
0: our
2: we should have I mean, a whole podcast just about Jeff Tweedy. I don't. Like,
1: I, guess, I, could, I would love to do that.
0: Is this uh, is this the mansion I'm I'm familiar with?
1: Yes, yes, it is. Mm. And I and it was just like I I don't I don't want to call him the landlord because <laughs> I didn't really pay much rent. But, <laughs> and I should have. And, and Jeff Tweedy is kind of like one of those angels that you. Kind of read a book about, and his name is just not Jeff Tweedy. Well, let me tell you, the name they're not saying is Jeff Tweedy, and I don't mean Jeff Tweedy from Wilco. Well, it's Tweet a different Jeff Tweedy, pro- probably, uh, an an <laughs> probably, probably an angel, probably an angel in some form, but the Jeff Tweedy I know is, yeah, the angel I speak of. Um, and it was great, uh, uh, to be there. Uh, with Sims because I loved Sims and I did. It was he would come in my room when I he would hear me writing songs and go I really like that one or I really like that one and you know that that meant the world to me uh, but what sucks about that whole thing is like when when we were kind of Tweety was kind of closing up shop there uh, and like Sims moved out and it was it was mere days later that he was gone So that's the scariest part for me because this is
2: how tricky this kind of stuff is. Um, I was
1: going to say that, but you, you take it.
2: Well, I just, I don't know, but I will tell you like three days before Sims died, um, you know, we had been trying to, you know, help, uh, but we didn't even know what that was, you know, but we were trying. And um, me and Sims went to eat at Guero's and he looked like, He looked so beautiful to me that I literally, I started crying because he looked for the first time in like a year, he looked good. And I got that hopeful feeling like maybe everything's going to be okay, you know, and and it scared me because he, you know, that how much I loved him was right there and how, and how, how, you know, he was just glowing, dude. I mean, he looked beautiful and I just, and, and I got scared. I just said, promise me you're okay. You know? Yeah. And he looked me right in the eye, eye and he was like, dude, I promise I'm okay. Don't worry. Three days later, he's gone, you know? And um,
1: That's hard. That's hard, bro.
2: Well, dude, it's all hard. And, you know, and I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, there's so many things that could contribute to like, dude, I mean, you know, and I don't, I'm scared to even say them because it might, you know, shed a light on something that's not a light. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. but who knows dude i mean he was on all these different antidepressants they kept switching them Uh-oh. you know like he yeah, yeah they would just put them on one take it away put him on a different one take it away put him on a different one and it's like i'm not against antidepressants i have friends that it literally saved their life yeah but you know i could tell that this was not working for sims yeah. you know what i mean so it's just it was all scary you know and um and well, yeah.
1: that's, that right there, that story right there is another reason how, how slippery of a slope it is and, and how important, you know, it is to talk to someone and get some
2: help. Yeah, exactly. Because it's just, we all, yeah, we're all human. And yeah. what are we going to do, dude? We got to try to, serve. <laughs> I don't know. That's
1: right. Hey, let's talk a little bit about other, like, um, before we let you go. Uh Talk about other because, dude, your list of, like, people that you've worked with, toured with, recorded with, you mentioned the Butthole Servers, you mentioned uh, the Me Puppets, mm-hmm. and, I mean, you, you've you recorded and toured with, I mean, those are two huge, uh, huge uh, underground sort of alternative, for lack of a better term, hard rock bands um, who have, are universal
0: and, and and ministry, am I right on ministry? Did you yeah, do- tell us a ministry gig story?
2: Ministry um, was different because when I was in the buttholes, I started making films because you know they do all the projection stuff, Correct. and I did, and I just you know went off the deep end, just getting into that because it was fun. You know, you paint on like film leader and all this stuff, and and they were like cool, and they were like, hey, dude, you want to do some of this with the buttholes? You know, and so so I was doing that too. And a ministry asked me to go out and do their video. Um, but I didn't want to, um, you know, just have like a empty track and you just play a video. You're talking ministry, right? Yeah. So I was like, dude, we're going to make a video instrument and we're going to make every song have video samples that that are you have to play the song to the song. And if you fuck up, it's going to fuck up the video. And and so we did that. And Matt Mitchell from the Skate Nigs was part of this and he wrote
1: when you were working with him i'd run into you guys you guys were working on shit all. yeah
2: and so he helped write this software because there's no software to do this at the time and so we just took it like as far as you could take it because you know we used to call him matt 3000 because he could do anything right like he's like figure this anything technical matt was going to solve it and make it rule and it wasn't going to rule and also i will say tristan rudat helped make the video don't want to leave him out because he's Super talented video editor played um in a band called 151. Um but yeah, so ministry has asked, asked if we go do that. And there's a million ministry stories, you know. But that's how I ended up meeting Paul Barker and working with him. I did some stuff with Lead and Nicole with him, but only a few songs on that first record. And um right. But Paul and Tristan have been helping me on this new band that kind of came about because the pandemic, which is called Zoid and that's just this cool band name yeah it's called zoid and it's this crazy you know it's kind of like what the pandemic did to you know the isolation and so i was like what if you could just make the craziest music you could think of like from the future and there was no rules and if you thought you got went too far you just like go way farther than that and like destroy any concept of like yourself as a musician like what you think you do yeah you know what i mean
0: Uh, yeah.
2: yeah and um and that was super like fun, dude. And like, it just like was relieving too. Cause all of a sudden it's like, you know, like I think I play guitar a certain way, you know? And this was fun. Cause it's like, fuck all that, you know?
1: Yeah. Make <laughs> like, yourself play a drugged. different way.
2: Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, that's a fun project. And, um,
1: Re-invention. That, Yeah.
2: Yeah. And Paul played, we were lucky enough that Paul played bass on some of that. Oh, and, um, Paul Barker. Yeah. And, um, And, of course, that just, like, you know, it was heavy and cool. And then you give it to Paul, and he's like, hey, what do you think of this? And you're just like, oh, my God, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, he's like, I call him the dark angel because, you know, he's an angel to me, but it's just like. (laughs) like Right. (laughs) Like, he's a distortion artist. He's like. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know. Distortion
1: yeah. artist. That's it's totally well, great. Well, he, he has his own design of like pedals and shit. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, no, he's so, really amazing. So, so
1: he's, he's, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. uh Can, can, can people go hear some of these Void songs that were created? Zoid. Right? Zoid. Zoid.
2: Zoid. Yeah. Zoid. Um, yeah, there's, so, a, well, Zoid you, there's a, well, there's a, there's two singles out right now. And yeah, that you'll crack up Jason
1: nice <laughs> Sorry, where are they where can they find where can we find um
2: you them? could go to itunes you could go to youtube and like just watch the you know and it's not a video but
1: id zoid mm-hmm. okay just yeah. make sure there, there's there's a lot of things on your list that that we sent out that that you could what else was on
0: there dave i wanted to ask if i may about the Weren't you guys in a Madonna video?
1: You, were, you, were, you just stole my thunder, man. Okay. i will make him talk about that I, on the way out. But Yeah, um, uh, and,
0: and the only reason I'm asking is because, I mean, you don't get bigger than Madonna, and I think people would uh, be interested to know if they can look for you and spot you in the video and how that even came to be, that guys from San Antonio uh from austin by way of san antonio end up in a m- freaking madonna video how did that happen and what was okay.
2: that i'm going to tell you that story and that's a sim story so that's a good story okay. Um, okay. but we have to mention one artist just because he deserves to like you know we should all be listening to rocky erickson right yeah like, rocky erickson so sure, yeah. um that's one person i got to play guitar yeah. for, for a Game short changer.
1: Game changer, yeah, Rocky the, Erickson. The I evil, have a Rocky Erickson story too, but this is not about me. Go ahead.
2: Well, no, I just, I love Rocky so much. And that record, the evil one, I highly recommend everyone gets it. I and uh, yeah, so that's all I want to say. Like we can't leave Rocky off the list because it's Rocky and probably. This see, how many,
1: how many shows did you get to do with Rocky? And and? it Ricky was about
2: here. two years, maybe a year okay. and a half that I played with um, Rocky. Yeah, But it's. I um, you
1: guys at the airport. Uh, one time, you guys were coming. We were coming and going. I I don't know if it was. I was with. I remember Bro- that. Yeah. Dangerous toys, but and I just saw Rocky sitting out front of the airport. Hey, dude, what's up?
2: Well, yeah. he's just like the sweet. Like he was the one that I was just so honored and so like, you know. I just was like, you know, and um and I just wanted to be like, you know, okay, this is like Rocky, so like
1: he was no different than than Lemmy Kilminster to me.
2: Oh wow! Uh, yeah,
1: same. Led kind of legendary, w- living legend, like living, breathing legendary guy. Yeah, and uh, it, it, people need to look that up. If any kind of music, psychedelic, heavy metal, whatever, hard rock. Yeah, uh, uh, the
2: Thirteenth Floor Elevators is yeah. a bunch of great. You can yeah, go there. Um, exactly, it's a rabbit,
1: a, a rabbit hole in, on its own. And dude, you've played with fucking legends.
2: I got to play with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> turned it right around, and it's true. an eye with it?
2: <laughs> no, I mean, dude, come on! I got to play with you.
0: Well, we we wrote, the... we wrote a song together.
2: I know. Yeah, I got it, to play with Jared. Jared's it, a it, legend. Yeah. Did,
0: did the song? Did you guys record the song that you wrote together? Yeah, it's on Tamara Killingbird. Ah, okay. Which this song is, is? This means war. Okay, yeah. did not know that.
1: Yeah, dude, you need to read the fine print.
0: I know, I'm, I'm <laughs> slacking. I'm I'm the guy that always reads the fine print, tell, and I Tell didn't us know the that.
1: story, the Madonna story. Yeah, give
0: us the Madonna story, and then I'm
1: it I, just in on Talk louder news, the <laughs> Madonna
0: story. And then I'm gonna have to. I gotta. I gotta. Right. Where, so. Yeah.
2: So Well, hey, I just wanted to thank you guys for what you're doing. I, I've watched a bunch of the interviews that y'all do awesome. with people. And like when I was watching them, I was like, why am I even on here? But, <laughs> but you're like not the first person to
1: ask that. Let me just throw it at you real quick. You're one of us. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, I just want to say what y'all are doing is super cool. And I'm thank super you. glad you're doing it. And I, yeah, like I've, I've, you know, I just thought it was super cool. So, thank you. Well, it,
1: it's a thankless job but obviously it's not a thankless job because we're getting we're getting a lot of that like why the fuck they want to talk to me and i just i really love it but why are they want to talk to me kind of this vicious and and then
0: me and jason text each other back and forth to go oh my god we can't you know we have guests like yourself and we had brian small from the hangman and he said the exact same thing he said i looked at all the people you've had on the show and i'm like why the hell do they want to talk to me and (laughs) and me and jason go why the hell did would they even accept the invitation? We're just yeah. as baffled as you are, so. Well, no, dude. It's, and we appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank uh, you for Well, that. No, it's
2: just awesome. I mean, you know. Well, we're anyway. not getting
0: paid for
1: it, and neither are you. So obviously, yeah. <clears throat> there's a nerd factor. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, 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 we love look
0: for them. fellow nerds.
1: Yeah, yeah, we we end up we end if we don't know the 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 person that we some because sometimes we'll. We'll be introduced to someone that seems like an interesting character and we'll want to have them on the show for for just – that's all the reason that we need sometimes. Right. And then we end up falling in love with this person and it's like, man, that was a great episode. We didn't know what to expect. And that wild card happens not very often.
2: I would love it if y'all got Hunt sales.
1: That would be sick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Set it up set it up for us. All right.
2: Yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome, dude. Um, um,
1: so the other uh, thing, the other thing would be is like um, you know, we get to we're, you're our friend. So we already know it's going to be a grandiose episode. We're yeah. going to like go deep, we're going to have fun, we're going to we're going to laugh, we're going to cry. We there's all these it's like an onion, right? Yeah. It's going to be it's, this It's like
2: an onion that you peel. And then a thousand other little onions pop out and they just keep popping out. <laughs> yeah,
1: and we can't, we can't stop talking about shit we want to talk about. Okay. Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. Go. Uh,
2: so we were recording at Brooklyn studio, which was in Madonna's management company's office. Right. And it was a was cool she
1: running her record label out of there. I Maverick?
2: think so. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I so, um And you know, what we were, were like, guys, what were you
1: guys doing at, which part of the record were you cutting at, at, Brooklyn. We were
2: doing we had we had done all the drums and stuff, but we were doing like guitars and overdubs and vocals and okay. bong hits. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know what? It
1: may have been Brooklyn that I went to then. Maybe. Okay.
2: Yeah. yeah. It
1: may have been Brooklyn
2: though. Um For some reason, I thought it was Conway, but it doesn't matter.
0: No, no, it doesn't matter. So you're, yeah. in, you're in Madonna's studio, basically. Doing right.
2: And so the studio's here. There's a kitchen. And then there's this hallway where it's like all these people at desk doing Madonna work, right, and stuff like that. And so we would ride. <laughs> what do you like... think
1: they're doing, Kyle? Madonna work. What is Madonna work?
2: At that time, they were putting out the sex book. Do you remember that? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. And um, so we were like riding our little 20-inch BMX bikes down the halls, you know? Oh, shit. And we were just
1: the fucking studio. Yeah. Oh, you fucking like.
2: So we were just having fun and, and like, you know, causing trouble sort of. And um, one day we were in the kitchen and it was like me, Sims, Dave, I think was there, you know, whatever. We were just all in the kitchen and Madonna walks in and she's making um, coffee or something. And we were about to go to Hollywood billiards to play pool. And Sims being Sims, and never really, you know, everybody was like equal in Sims's eyes, right? Like, yeah, you know, no, that part of
1: Sims—that's a beautiful thing about Sims's soul—is the filter. He's like, he can walk up to a rattlesnake, he can walk up to Madonna, he can walk up to Jesus, he could walk up to anyone. Exactly. And go, yeah. Dude, what's up? Uh, totally. Hey, what are you doing? Are you making coffee?
2: Hey, yeah. Madonna, are you just making, Can you make me some? <laughs> And mean it, too, and not be, like, nothing, like, you know. Yeah. 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 And um, so he was Sims, and um, (laughs) he's like, hey, you know, Madonna, come play pool with us. And she (laughs) just kept stirring her coffee, didn't look at him, didn't turn around, nothing.
1: Thinking about it.
2: And of course, I'm sitting there going, God damn it, Sims just pissed off Madonna. (laughs) Like, you know, Sims just pissed off Madonna, and then she just turns around. I can't remember. What she said she might have turned around and said, but "I can't really remember," but I think she did say one thing. But she said, "I think she said I don't just go play pool or something," and then she just oh, walked out. Oh fuck! And and I was like, "Dude, you just pissed off Madonna," and Sims was being Sims. Well, like, oh. man. Well, fuck. he was just like, "Oh, whatever, dude. She's yeah. fine." You know
1: what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, that. God, I, I just had a flashback. Yeah, I could. I, and, I like I was there.
2: Yeah. So. Um, so. The next thing that happened is I was tracking guitars with Eddie and I was standing between the big speakers. So Eddie's in front of me at the mixing console and I'm tracking guitars and Madonna opens the door. Whoa. And so I just like stopped playing and Eddie's looking at me. Cause we're like in the middle of the track. He's like, dude, what the fuck? And I'm like, but yeah, Madonna. And um, so, and then she just goes, Hey, come here. And so I just, you know, do what Madonna says. Right. Like, so I just like go, <laughs> <laughs> and she goes. She hasn't given me any info, nothing. She goes, stand up against the wall, and I'm thinking, like, is she gonna slap me? Like, or like, who knew? You know, I didn't know. What's like, it, what was...
1: what's Eddie doing? Did he just stop the tape and say, "Where stopped? the fuck are you going"?
2: No, he just stopped. He saw he Madonna. Oh. She asked me to go with her, so he just and was like, "He go. Right.
1: i said, said 'Go. I'm I'm getting paid.
0: Go ahead.'" He
2: didn't. Yeah, he was just like, if Madonna asks you to go, you go. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um so, so she
0: got you up against the wall.
2: She, yeah, she pulled out a Polaroid. She took a picture and she goes, where's that blonde kid? And I go, my brother? And she was like, yeah, the one who asked me if I could play pole. And I and I go, oh, he's not here. And she was like, well, when he gets here, send him to my office. And I was like, well, like I know where your office is. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> and she was like, oh, and then she lightened up. She got really cool. She was like, dude, you just go down the hall. And then when you get to that last receptionist, my office is to the right. Right. So I go back in, I tell Eddie the story and we decide we're going to play a trick on Sims because he was about to come to the studio. So we start packing shit up. Right. And so Sims walks in and I'm like closing the guitar case. And he's like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be tracking, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, dude, you pissed off Madonna. Like we're out. She kicked us out. (laughs) I was like, I was like, she kicked us out. We got to go. And he was like, Shut the fuck up, dude! And I'm like, no, seriously, like we're out. And Eddie's like, it's true, dude. Like rapid cables, you know, like. (laughs) And um, Sims is like bullshit. Like he gets straight up, like you know, this. Now he's protective of Pariah, right? Like he's like, you know, Sims was kind of like the band leader. And I'm like, if you don't believe me, go talk to her, dude. Her office is right down there. Like I totally set him up, you know. (laughs) Like (laughs) I was like, her office is right down there to the right. Of course, Sims just gone you know and then he comes back in like 30 minutes later and like me and Eddie are cracking up you know we don't even know what happened but we're already laughing because it's like dude you know what happened right and I'm like what happened and he was like oh he was like she she wants to know if we'll be in her video and I was like I was like what'd you say and Sims goes well I asked her how much it paid (laughs) And I go, how much does it pay? He goes, 300 bucks a day, dude. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And so I'll take it. Yeah. So then, um, you know, Sims is in the video a lot. You could see him in there a lot. Um, Me, I'm only in there at the first scene, like when she pulls up in the car. And I'm like the guy that looks like Cousin It. That's like. What
0: song is this?
2: Deeper and Deeper. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like the kind of the prostitute on the corner with like super long hair. And then there's another scene where I'm in the hallway and she wanted me to act like I was selling pot because I had asked her, I was super bored on the set and I was like, can you give me some pot? And she was like, so when that scene came along, she was like, well, just, yeah, do what you do naturally. Like, just pretend like you're like, selling pot or something not that I it. <laughs> so I, I did but sims is in that video a lot you could see him and then there's another guy oddly enough that looks kind of like a muscular sims mm. and he's in the video a lot too so a lot of times people will be like oh i saw sims and i'm like yeah but that that's the other dude sims is the dude with the candle and uh yeah wow. so anyway it was just one of those things and then um yeah. She was really cool. Like she was like, you know, I mean, I, she was like, just treated as totally normal. Like once we got there, she was like, I saw her get a B12 shot and she was like, what's up? And I'm like, I'm bored. So she, she was like, well, what do you want? And I was like, well, I want to like, is there any weed around here? <laughs> and She she was like, look to her assistant. And then I remember I went behind the building and she was just do it over there. So like, it's not a big deal. And I was like, yeah, okay.
1: Oh, that's cool. So wow. Madonna I mean, scored weed for you.
2: Now her assistant,
1: <laughs> same thing.
2: And then but her and Sims would just talk like, like, Normal. like Sims would talk to my mom. Yeah, just yeah. like totally cool.
0: What wow. a great story, man! Yeah, wow. Awesome. I mean, you've 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 shared so many great stories with us today, but uh, I, I don't think I have any other acquaintances that have been in a Madonna video.
1: So no. you're the only one.
0: You and Sims. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's oh, Sims blame yeah. Sims. He was. I mean, you know. I think. I just think that it was Sims like just was like Sims, you
0: know, it it goes back to that charisma that I was alluding to earlier. I I think people just took one look at him and fell in love with him before he even opened his mouth. And then when he opened his mouth, it was just you're a goner, man.
1: (laughs) The the, the cool thing about him was, as I I mentioned, his filter is different than ours. You know, he was able to walk up to Madonna and go, hey, let's go play pool you don't know me from shit, but let's go play pool. And she was like, I don't play pool. Next thing you know, you're in her fucking video scoring weed <laughs> for you. And, oh, uh, and you're so paying right,
2: you, dude. Paying you,
1: paying you 300 bucks a day to just be there.
2: You're so right about that because just like being his brother, there was so many times I was like, dude, Sims, like you you know, watch what you say, dude. Like, what are you doing? And he would always just go like, ever dude. Like, what? <laughs> right.
1: Oh so. man. Well, listen, uh Kyle, thank you
0: so much for yeah, having you know. No,
2: thank you guys thank you. Know. you. Yeah. Thank
0: you so much, man. I,
2: and um yeah, I saw the LA Guns one. I saw yeah, so Super yeah. into it. Keep going.
0: Master Pussycats back there. Some. Oh, you're talking about the episodes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, man. Um, you, uh, you're in good company, and uh, and we thank you for being with us today because we appreciate all your stories and uh, your friendship and 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 your honesty and just sharing your your life with us. And uh, we wish you continued success in everything you do musically. I hope this uh, album with Renee comes to fruition at some point. Yeah, uh, you keep us posted really. on that. Yeah. And uh yeah, so just thanks for being here, man. We appreciate it.
2: Yeah, and thanks Jared too for Yes. Yeah, well, Jared. None, absolutely. None
0: of us would even, none of us would be here without Jared. I know. That's that's, his that's his
1: that's whole true. idea of this thing during the lockdown is was just like crazy. Yeah. I'll tell the story again. He calls and goes, what do you think about you and Dave being in a podcast? Oh, that sounds fun. And then we do a couple and we're like, oh, that was fun. What's for dinner? And he's like, no, hold on a second. Jared, <laughs> Jared brains like, no, dude, you're fucking out of your mind. You dude think a hundred or 200 episodes. And it just felt a
2: thousand. Like,
1: <laughs> like so daunting to think like that. Here we are. It's like,
2: we're, we're like
0: knocking oh. on a hundred. We're, yeah, we're, we're 100 in the 90s now that's awesome yeah good name too I like the name thanks uh, yeah. uh there's a, there's a there's a song connection to that name correct Jason uh, is there yeah it's, uh, a, it's a it's a play well, on rock louder well I,
1: I I didn't mean it when I thought of talk louder yes I'll take the credit i <laughs> I said to myself wait wait talk oh rock louder the present song rock louder yeah mm-hmm I thought of that when it just because it rhymed but yeah that would be
0: the play on it so there you go sean and shandon yep
2: no it's great yeah yeah
0: all right kyle thanks for being with us on behalf of my co-host jason mcmaster i'm metal dave along with our special guest kyle ellison thank you all for listening to another episode of the talk louder podcast
2: thanks have a good one y'all boom